Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text hope NY in New York. How much of a jump can you really make from year one to year two, especially in Oklahoma with a first time head coach a season to go with Brent Venables? We're so glad you're here. We're going to unpack all of this in its entirety. The head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners is about to join the show here in just a few short minutes. Take a deep breath. You made it. You got a lot on your plate throughout the week. Kids, family, job, school, whatever it is, you made it. Let's talk in college football. Like I just said, Brent Venables about to join the show. He is one of many coaches at Premier Institutions heading into their second year on the job. Got a couple of them that I think we need to just take inventory of. A stock watch, if you will. What, which way are they trending for the future? Want to talk about Mario Cristobal, Notre Dame, USC. Bunch of schools that are headed into their second year with a new coach. Got to unpack that one. And like I said, Brent Venables then enjoys the show. Uh, we have got spring football rolling in case you haven't been keeping up with us here on the hard count. We talk a ton of spring football. Love college basketball. That's great. But spring football has my undivided attention. A couple of programs across the country that we got some intel on. Oklahoma being one of them. Georgia being another one. Quarterback battle going on there. Another quarterback battle, Alabama. Let's just unpack the intel that we have according to our sources on the ground there at those schools. And then at the end of this thing, you know how we do it? We hear from y'all on my Twitter page, at Jody Pacal. We just went oldie buddy goodie this time. Tweet it out. Hit me with your CFB questions. Got a lot of great responses. Excited to unpack those. But again, we're so glad you're here. Make sure you're subscribed if you're not already. We got a ton to jump into. We waste no more time. A lot of coaches head into their second year at big-time schools. I mean, Oklahoma, Miami, Notre Dame, USC, all under new management going into their second season. 
So what's the stock of these schools? What, what, what's the trend right now according to what they did a season ago and what they're doing in the future at these different schools? Oklahoma is a good place to start. I think the, the stock for Oklahoma right now, or the trend rather, is gaining steam. Because you look at what they did on the recruiting trail a season ago, and they were top 10 in the country in their first year under Brent Venables, where they went 6-7 and seven on the field. And when I look at Oklahoma, the vibe is there's no, okay, let's give it some time. There's no, let's try that formula again another year and just kind of see how it works. They are retooling via the portal. They went out and got some dogs. They also have a head coach that understands you know, via the portal, they had to get better on defense. The personnel defensively is substantially better than it was a season ago. Okay, so you're going to be better on defense. Some progress there. Again, gaining steam. You gain some steam defensively. And then you look to the future. You got Dylan Gabriel for this year, but what about after Dylan Gabriel? What about next season? I'll just say this. I talked to some people close to Oklahoma, and the sentiment is the same across the board. Jackson Arnold is that dude. We're going to talk about this a little bit later in the show, but the sentiment is he might be the most talented cat in that room today. And he's been on campus for all of like 15 minutes. So they're fired up about Jackson Arnold. They're recruiting at an elite level. They've retooled the defense. Brent Venables has this thing headed the right direction. So I'm looking at Oklahoma from a zoomed out perspective, and they're trending in a positive direction. Okay, so they're gaining steam. They still have to do it on the field. There's still a show me part of this equation, but for Oklahoma, I think the right stock to put to this is gaining steam. Let's take a flight, move out to South Florida. Mario Cristobal joined the show not too long ago. We talked to him about the development of his team and what they're trying to do right now in terms of getting that roster right in the trenches and what they're trying to do with the new coordinators. And what I would say when it comes to Miami is buy the dip here a little bit. Buy the dip, because Miami last year left a lot to be desired. I was one of those people that thought Miami would be a ready-made situation. Mario Cristobal brings the right culture, the right structure. You got a quarterback in TVD coming off a phenomenal season in 2021, and then this sort of fell flat in 2022. And Mario Cristobal told us, he's like, it was nobody's fault, just wasn't a fit when it came to the quarterback and the offensive system. So they have now revamped both the offense and the defense with new coordinators. Kevin Steele took the job at Alabama. Enter in Lance Gidry to coach the defense. Shannon Dawson now coaching the offense. And the early returns out of Miami are that the offense and the quarterback room fits like a glove. I've said this many times. I do not buy that Tyler Van Dyke just somehow got worse overnight. I don't buy that what we saw from the 20-plus touchdowns he threw a season ago to single-digit interceptions in 2021 was some sort of fluke. Okay? I think you're going to see a much-improved Miami in 2023. And even so, you look at the way that he's building this roster, there's an emphasis, like he told us, on the trenches. Samson Okunlola, Francis Malagoa, they are putting an emphasis on the pieces that matter in terms of playing winning football at Miami. Something we haven't seen as of late. Mario Cristobal has that thing headed in the right direction. The reason why I say by the dip, you got to look to the future here. Miami, with the tough product they put on the field a season ago, tough to watch product, I should say, they had a top 10 recruiting class. So Mario Cristobal, with all that talent around him in the state of Florida, you think Miami's just going to stay the same? Especially if the ACC has some tectonic plate shift, and let's say you lose a Clemson, you lose a Florida State. 
maybe you end up losing on Miami if you lose both those schools. But what I'm trying to tell you is Miami's not playing in the SEC. The ACC has some really good teams, but Miami, with the talent they have around them, with the quarterback they have right now, with the way they're recruiting, there's a lot of potential with Miami. So Mario Cristobal, I think, is a guy that just knows how to win. He's won it just about everywhere he's been. He gets Miami. He gets what it takes to win. Buy the dip with Miami. Last year wasn't pretty. We're not excusing last year, but I would just let this thing simmer a little bit. Let it sizzle by the dip when it comes to Miami. Notre Dame, another school we got to talk about here. Marcus Freeman and company. Did some good things in 2022, but 2023, I think, should have a, a different expectation in-house. More thoughts on that. Make sure you're subscribed. We talk ball here every single day. We're live right now. Those of you that are tuned in, we appreciate you. Make sure you're following me on Instagram. Make sure you're following me on Twitter, at JD Pacal, a great way for us to interact and for us to hear from you. Now, as I was saying, for Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman, going into his second year, the stock that I would best define them as is we mean business. Because you look at this roster, and they didn't have to go out and add a Sam Hartman. They actually had their starting quarterback from a season ago, Tyler Buckner, who played the opener against Ohio State, coming back this year. They have their entire running back room coming back. A lot of pieces in the, on, on defense, 72% of that production coming back. The roster itself, that won nine games a season ago, you lose some key pieces, sure, Isaiah Foskey, you lose Mayer, like I understand that. The roster itself has a pretty high floor. And you got your quarterback of the future potentially in 2024 with C.J. Carr. There was no reason, no pressing reason rather, for Notre Dame to go get Sam Hartman. It wasn't like they missed a bowl game. So Marcus Freeman's saying, no, no, no. I want the best quarterback in the transfer portal. I want the best quarterback available for us here in South Bend. I think that sends a very clear message to the rest of college football, which is we mean business. Okay, this brand, this golden helmet that we're rocking, I mean, th this means something, okay? There's a different standard. And we're not going to be content to just sit back and win nine games again. We're not just content to win, you know, double-digit games and maybe make a nice bowl game. No, no. We expect college football playoff. We expect national championships. And I know the whole thing with the offensive coordinator hire was a bit quirky. I'm just telling you for 2023, Marcus Freeman has set the bar extremely high and invited a lot of pressure onto his school, onto his program by getting Sam Hartman. They mean business in South Bend. Pressure is privilege. There's a lot of pressure because they got the guy. They already play that tough brand of football. We already knew they're going to be able to run the football. We already knew the defense was going to be solid. But getting a quarterback now, I believe they are one elite wide receiver away from being a very real playoff contender. And even then, we'll see how good Sam Hartman is. He might just elevate everyone's play. So for Notre Dame, the stock to me is they mean business. They're trending upward. I like Notre Dame a lot in 2023. Now, USC and Lincoln Riley is one of the most interesting stocks when it comes to these teams and these coaches heading into the second year. Because you zoom out and you say, good year for USC compared to what they had a season ago. Like they went from missing bowl games to playing for New Year's Six Bowls and playing for the conference title. That's great. Think about what USC could do in 2023. Think about how we would view USC if they were to win the national title. And to be clear... That is a very real conversation we have to have. They have the best player in college football playing quarterback for them right now. Now, if they get a defense, that national title conversation becomes a little bit more interesting. But back to my original question, how differently is USC perceived nationally if they win a national title this season? Again, they go to the Big Ten next season, so they're about to transition conferences. I think if they win a national title, 
That likely comes with Caleb Williams having a pretty good shot to win a second Heisman Trophy. Think about the national reach they would have recruiting, which is even more than they already would have right now. Think about the branding of USC and how seriously we would all take them and take Lincoln Riley. Just the snowball effect, I think, would go into play. Now, if they don't win the national title, I'm not saying that USC goes to the dogs. I'm not saying they're going to the dogs, but I think this year is a hinge year because of what it could be. It doesn't set them back, but it would be a very big missed opportunity for USC and Lincoln Riley if they don't make good on Caleb Williams because they don't have a defense. So for me, again, USC and Lincoln Riley going into year two, I think there's some pressure there. I think it's a hinge year in terms of how much they could snowball with success in 2023. So there you have it. For Miami, got to buy the dip. 2022, it wasn't pretty. Nobody's excusing 2022. I promise you, Marta Cristobal is not excusing it internally. They're doing a lot of the right things, hitting the reset button, buy the dip with Miami. For Oklahoma, they're gaining steam. A lot of the right things are being done. Okay, keep an eye on the process. The results will come here, and we'll talk about the results when they happen, as we do every single Sunday, as you know, during the fall. Keep an eye on how they're building it. They're addressing their weaknesses. Brett Venables can coach defense. They're recruiting the heck out of the trail, and Jackson Arnold is that guy, according to everybody in Norman. For USC, it's a hinge year, like I just said. Golden opportunity in front of them to do some exciting things. But for Notre Dame and company, them going out and getting Sam Hartman after a nine-win season with QB1 coming back with Tyler Buckner, they mean business. They mean business in South Bend. So there you have it. That's the stock around the country for a lot of these year two head coaches as we see it. Now, we know a lot of y'all are locked in right now waiting for Coach Brent Venables to join the show, and he gave us a ton of insight. We talked about the move to the SEC. We talked about spring football, talked about his quarterback room. He was very transparent, very insightful with us. And without further ado, here's Coach Brent Venables. And we're now joined by the head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners, Coach Brent Venables. Coach, watching you on the sidelines on Saturdays, one of my favorite things, tons of energy, tons of juice. Where does that come from for you? I just love for the game. I'm passionate and uh, wear it on my sleeve. I wish, I actually wish I had more uh, meekness uh, uh, skills, uh, but I'm just who I've always been. I, I you know, just love what I do. I love watching you get back coach on Saturdays. That, that's who I think gets like the best workout, <laughs> workout. when it comes to game day. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of strain going on. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of biceps and triceps work for that guy on game day. When it comes to what you learned from your team in year one, what would you break down there to some of the, the key things that you're looking to for year two? Well, again, I just the belief in what we're doing um, was probably the number one thing uh, that was really apparent for me and our staff. Uh, our players are hungry. They're eager. Uh, they've bought into uh, what we've asked them to do, our expectations, our standards, how we do what we do and why we do what we do. And, uh, you know, so the effort and uh, the stick-to-itness, uh, their ability to persevere all season was there. Obviously, you want to be, you know, rewarded through your hard work with victory. And uh, we came up, you know, short um, in five games last year. And this game will honor precision and efficiency and uh, toughness and physicality. There's plenty of things that we have to uh, through going through, you know, a season. There's plenty of things that we have to 
obviously um, get better at as coaches and uh, as a football team. And again, uh, the best teams that you've been on are ones that complement one another, not compensate for one another. And so we've got to, you know, improve in a lot of areas, but I love the fight and uh, the investment from our football team. And your quarterback room is stacked. I mean, Dylan Gabriel coming back, and now you add in a five-star talent in Jackson Arnold. What's been your impressions of your quarterback room so far this spring? Yeah, it's it's better. Um, stack is is a pretty eager uh, uh, word. Um, I love the group of guys, and they they work incredibly hard. But um, they've been good. You know, Dylan is uh, a better version of himself. He'll be the first to tell you that. Whether it's um, you know all things that come with being a quarterback. You know, pre-snap, post-snap, management, leadership. Uh, again, the precision that comes with that position uh, that, you know, that's necessary from that position. And then uh, the older older, older guys as well, Davis Bevel and uh, General Booty have been uh, really good. And Jackson's done a great job so far just through, you know, today will be our fourth practice uh, of the spring. And I've been really pleased with his uh, – his mental capacity, his ability to take what you learn in the in the classroom and apply it on the field. He's got great instincts and throws with anticipation. Uh, he's got a big arm and really humble guy, though. Great teammate and loves to work. And so he's got a great foundation immediately has earned the respect of his teammates, which I think is the most valuable thing that you can have as a player is the respect of the guys in the locker room. Looking to the other side of the ball, defensively that's kind of been you know what you specialized in throughout your career what's the main point of emphasis during the spring for your defense we got to get better i mean that i mean that um, captain obvious here uh you know that's the only thing that to me that we can do but i'm just talking about you know starting with the mindset and how you attack this game uh you know what the standards are you know a lot of guys are i would call them scarred up the guys that have been here uh, for at least two two plus years, I call those guys just a little bit scarred up. And, you know, we've worked really hard at trying to show them what, you know, excellence looks like. You know, we've got a, uh, a great game plan for, you know, how we need to get better and, and the work that it takes. And, you know, I believe in these guys. They're, they're, they come, they're on the edge of their seat every day, willing to put the work in. We need to improve um, our our athletic ability, we got to get more physical at the point of attack. Uh, we got to be more precise in everything that we're doing, but we got to play with, with confidence. Confidence comes from the work that you put in, uh, going about it every single day. And uh, we still got to maintain an aggressive, uh, you know, philosophy uh, along the way. We've, you know, since, you know, our, our 14 months ago when we got hired and we played Oregon in the bowl game, you know, over 80% of our roster is no longer here. So uh, there's there's been a, a big transition and transformation, if you will. Um, having a lot of new guys, sometimes that's not a, a great thing from a carryover standpoint, but it is a lot of guys that have a, a fresh mindset and, again, a hunger, a toughness. They get, feel like they have a lot to prove. Tremendous competition. I love our, our mat drills and, uh, and what we've done through the first uh, – three days of spring football from a competition standpoint, it brings out the best in everybody. And, you know, but the biggest thing is just looking and focusing on daily improvement, teaching them football intelligence, 
Um, we've got to get better situational football. And so, again, getting our guys to think the right way situationally so that you can play both aggressive and with great anticipation. The great, the great play callers play with anticipation. The great quarterbacks do. Every football player um, that you would term as a, as a great player, anticipation is a, is a skill set that you learn through through study and through repetition uh, and, and some of its instincts. So um, I'm really pleased with the incremental improvement. It never happens as fast as you want. The improvement process sometimes can be actually very discouraging. And uh, but you got to, you know, you got to have the right mindset to go after it every single day and uh, just chop away with it, you know, chop, chop away at it uh, rather, you know, just one day at a time. But like what I've seen through through three days. And coach, obviously, a big part of getting better is look you get from your scout team. Right. And now you, you've been known to strap it up and be the scout team quarterback. Is there any chance we see your alter ego, Jimmy Green Beans, get under center this spring? <laughs> Every once in a while, if I don't feel like we're getting the right look, I'll have to uh, dust it off and and uh, show them what I could do. No, uh, no, we have some fun. We get out there. I love getting in the middle of it with the guys and challenging them. Uh, I love to to participate and stay busy and stay uh, active and competitive. And sometimes, as you know, you know, the coach watches so much film, you have a very good uh, idea of what the players need to see, uh, you know, from a preparation standpoint once you get into the season. So it won't be the last of that guy that you see. Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to the legend of Jimmy Greenbeans continuing to grow uh, in Norman. But looking to the recruiting trail and the transfer portal, y'all have obviously been to work. A, a top 10 class in the 2023 cycle, added some studs through the portal, one of them being DeSalm McCullough. How much do you factor in Oklahoma's move to the SEC as you go about assembling your roster? It's a, it's a, it's a factor, um, but it, I think kids are attracted uh, knowing that uh, starting in 2024, that that's going to be an opportunity for them uh, coming to Oklahoma, having a chance to compete in the SEC, uh, which is uh, you know one of the premier conferences in all of college football, as as we all know. Uh, and so, I it's hard to say what the percentage uh, is. Most, I would say, you know, 90 plus percent of the guys uh, have a very uh, a good awareness that that Oklahoma is. You know, going to the SEC, they many of them didn't know which exact year. Uh, now that that's all been worked out, so it plays a part, you know, in the in the process, no doubt. Coach, we appreciate all your time. Last question for you before we let you go: Oklahoma is a place that you've been around throughout a lot of your career as an assistant, and now as the head coach. What makes Norman different than anywhere else across the college football landscape? Well, I mean, for me, you know, I'm very invested in this community having come here uh, in 1999 with Coach Stoops and was here for 13 years and, and a small part of a renaissance uh, in Oklahoma. Uh, you know, Oklahoma's one of the top programs in the history of college football, uh, both in wins and certainly uh, the championships, the most championships in the history of college football. Uh, so we went several years, I believe four years, without having a winning season. And then 99, we went seven and five. And a lot of people still wasn't real happy, but there was a little bit of hope. And then, of course, we go 13 and 0 and win the national championship as the biggest underdog in the history of national championships against Florida State. Um, you know, very invested in the community, in this university community. It's a very connected place. 
the fan base takes a backseat to nobody, incredibly passionate, high expectations, high standards. Across the whole university community, you know, the, there's been excellence uh, in, in all the different uh, sports, men's and women's. Uh, it's a very uh, close from a relationship standpoint, a very family-oriented community, safe, great diversity. Uh, it's a great college town, 120,000 people. Uh, and, uh, and and then you have Oklahoma City just down the road that has a million-plus people in the metropolitan area. You know, our, our, our stadium, you know, uh, since I think 2000, we have the best winning percentage in all of college football. And, and so the people show up and uh, they love their Sooners. And, and so there's, there's no resource. There's no, uh, there, there's nothing that Oklahoma lacks uh, when it comes to supporting big time college football. And uh, if so, if you're a traditionalist and you like a, a college town, uh, where everything is centered around the university, man, this is as good as it gets. Well, Coach, we appreciate your time, like I said, and we appreciate your your candor, and we're excited to watch y'all get after it in the spring and hoping to come down and see y'all pretty soon here as the fall gets ramped up. Thanks, J.D. Appreciate you having me on, man. That's Brent Venables, the head ball coach down there in Norman, Oklahoma. We appreciate him taking some time. We appreciate y'all rocking with us, man. I will just say this. There was a point in time before we got here to on three, where the hard count was wheeling and dealing. We were independent, more or less independent, I guess. And the Oklahoma Sooner Faithful found us before anybody else did on YouTube. There was a point in time where we do different segments on different schools in Oklahoma, week in and week out. Y'all came to play. Y'all got in the comment section. Y'all got active. And so a very cool moment for us to be able to now get your head coach onto the show, kind of full circle. So we appreciate y'all rocking with us there. But we're not done talking about your Sooners. No, 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 no. We got to talk about what's going on during spring football right now down there in Norman. Talk to some people with boots on the ground close to the Sooners, and they all kind of say the same thing. There's, there's a different feel in the air right now when it comes to spring ball. Compared to last year, it was all kind of figuring it out. It's a new coaching staff. A lot of the roster's new. You're kind of getting to know each other as you get into practice and going through winter workouts and all that. The feeling right now in Norman is that the intensity, they took the notch and just turned it up a little bit. Emerald style, they kicked it up a notch, if you will. They understand that the standard in Norman is very, very much so at a different place than what they achieved a season ago. Six and seven, to put it bluntly, that ain't it. And the good news for you, if you're an Oklahoma fan, is that they all understand that ain't it. I was watching a couple clips of practice, and there was one in particular that got me fired up. It was Billy Bowman and Drake Stoops. They're going through, I guess, was some sort of Oklahoma-esque drill where you got a couple blockers, you got a ball carrier trying to get through the bags. Anyway, Oklahoma was getting after it, high competition setting in spring football, and Billy Bowman and Drake Stoops got tangled up, got a little bit chippy, a little skirmish, not, not, not a full-on brawl, not a full-on fight, but there was some shoving after the whistle. They were getting after each other. And I'll tell you what, if you don't have that in spring football, if you don't have the competitive juices flowing to where you're just wanting to get after each other, you got problems. And so that clip alone, I think, embodies very well the sentiment I'm trying to tell you. Oklahoma, the urgency there has been dialed up. That is a very good sign. And that's what you expected when Brent Venables came to play. I mean, heck, Brent Venables on game day, his own get back guy is probably getting biceps and triceps in for four quarters because he's trying to just wrangle him off the field. Coach, we can't, we can't go 10 yards on the field. I know I, we only get 11 players. You can't be the 12th guy on our defense right now. So 
different feel in the air right now in Norman, Oklahoma. Really quickly, we got to do this. Make sure you're subscribed. It just helps us do more of what you want to see. Okay, so we appreciate that. Also, get at me on Twitter. Get at me on Instagram, at JD Pacquiao. It just is a great way for us to interact and have this back and forth. So thank you in advance for that. Now, the quarterback room, it's got a lot of buzz around it as well. The intel I'm hearing is that Dylan Gabriel is looking really sharp. And he was sharp a season ago. I mean, 63% completion percentage, 25 touchdowns, six picks. Also added six touchdowns on the ground. Over 3,100 yards passing. Like, he's, he got in his bag a little bit last year. It sounds like this spring, though, him having yet another year under Jeff Lebby, who, again, remember, he was with him at UCF and is now going into another season under his tutelage at Oklahoma. That's a good sign. So if he's able to take another step, Think how much better Oklahoma can be because the offense really carried the torch last year for them. And if they were to progress and Dylan Gabriel progresses, I think it goes without saying that's a very good thing for Oklahoma. Now, here was the interesting note. Dylan Gabriel's progressing. That's great. It's kind of what you expected, right? I was told there is kind of a Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams field during spring football with Jackson Arnold in that room. Jackson Arnold, from what I'm hearing, could very well be the most talented quarterback on campus right now at Oklahoma. Now, the difference is some people felt that fall or that spring, rather, when Caleb Williams and, and, and Spencer Rattler were going through spring practice, that Spencer Rattler at some point in time could get overtaken by Caleb Williams. The feel right now is that Dylan Gabriel, if he's not playing quarterback for you this year in Norman, Oklahoma, something's gone wrong. Like either he hasn't brought his best to the table or you know, Oklahoma's underachieving and they got to play the freshman. Like the feeling is Dylan Gabriel and, and him not bringing his best to the table looks different than what Spencer Rattler did when he got benched at Oklahoma. Like Dylan Gabriel last year threw six picks the entirety of the season. Spencer Rattler during that one season when he got benched. So what? They were five and oh, he had thrown five interceptions and they weren't succeeding because of Spencer Rattler. I think the team itself at Oklahoma is poised to take another step around Dylan Gabriel, which should propel them forward. So I'm not saying there's a quarterback battle going on. I think quarterback competition is at any healthy program across the country when you got two talented guys in that room. But I'm just saying the return on Jackson Arnold early is very, very strong. So be encouraged by that. Dylan Gabriel is your guy this year. He should be. He needs to be. He will be your guy this year. Jackson Arnold is inevitably and undoubtedly the future at quarterback in Norman, Oklahoma. And the defense is probably what a lot of y'all are wondering about. Hey, we brought in this head coach who was a DC for like forever at Clemson and he did a ton of great things there. And then he comes in in the first year, we get lit up for 30 points a game. What's up with that, man? What are we doing here? Well, the people I talked to said the personnel is much improved from what they had a season ago. Remember, they went to the portal. They improved the trenches, got themselves four defensive linemen, Five, I guess, if you count Desan McCullough, is going to be like that cheetah position for you, kind of that hybrid linebacker defensive end. We'll talk about him more in a second. I've always said this. There were two things that you believed last year, one of the two at least, rather, when it came to Oklahoma falling short of expectations defensively. You either believed, one, Brent Venables can't coach defense. Okay, I'm pausing to let that really sink in and see if you actually believe that. The second is, hey, the personnel just probably isn't up to par for what we need to execute this plan. I happen to believe that the second is 
much more likely than the first. Okay, Brett Venables been doing this a long time. He's made his bed calling defenses. He's a Hogwarts grad. He's a Hogwarts grad when it comes to calling defense. Like he's a wizard. He knows what he's doing. Okay, defensively, the personnel now is much improved. You got two freshmen that you probably already know about in Norman. You're going to get to know a lot more about here when the fall hits. PJ Adabare is balling. Right around 235 pounds. He's still pretty lean. Charles Power, I've said this before, was much higher on him than the rest of the industry. Men lie, women lie, Charles Power don't lie, y'all. Okay, so surprise, surprise, Charles Power, right again on another recruit, PJ Adabare, already on campus, already making waves, making plays. Expect to see him at some point this fall. To what capacity remains to be seen, but he's going to be a guy for you. Now, Peyton Bowen, another guy we've talked a lot about on this show. The sentiment between Bowen and Adabare is that these two freshmen, the way it was described to me, is they're just playing on a different difficulty level than everybody else. Like, they're playing all Madden, everybody else is playing pro. That's great you're playing pro, but you got two studs, two freshmen that have been, been on campus for like a cup of coffee. They just found where their classes are, and they're already making waves. That speaks to the kind of recruiting that Brent Venables is able to have on the defensive side of the football. That speaks to the evaluation at Oklahoma, the branding at Oklahoma, like the fact they're recruiting guys like this so far, and it's only been one year at Oklahoma, that's, that's a very, very good sign. Those cats are going to play. Desan McCullough is a guy I've told you a lot about. He's one of the top players in the transfer portal. He's kind of a defensive end linebacker from Indiana. He's playing that cheetah position which, like I said, is a hybrid sort of. And if you're wondering what that essentially equates to, what an example of that would be, think Isaiah Simmons when he was at Clemson. Fast, long, covers a lot of space. He can rush the passer, can also drop back for you. And he just fits so perfectly with what Brent Venables wants to do defensively when it comes to a scheme standpoint because he's so versatile. He's like, a, he's like a chess piece, like the equivalent offensively of having a big body tight end that can block and that can catch, a matchup problem. Same thing defensively is what Desan McCullough is for Oklahoma's defense. He can rush the passer. He can drop back. He can disguise as he's going to blitz and then drop back. Like he brings so much to the table. He's so versatile, and he's a chess piece for this Brent Venables defense. He's in a position battle for that cheetah spot, but the feeling is that he ultimately could end up being the guy there. Now, the guy they're most excited about, someone we referenced at the top of this segment, Billy Bowman. Switching digits, was number five a season ago, going to be number two this season. Listen, he was all Big 12 honorable mention a season ago. He's the leader of that defense. He's poised for a big year. They love what he's doing in spring practice. They're expecting first team, all conference kind of play from him when they get rolling in the fall. I'll just tell you this. I mean, seeing him mixed up with Drake Stoops, seeing that competitive edge, and already knowing what he brings to the football field from a gameplay standpoint, like Billy Bowman's a program guy through and through. So Billy Bowman's good enough for me if he's good enough for the good people down there in Norman, Oklahoma. So different feel in the air, different sense of urgency. The quarterback room is in a really good spot. For this year, yes, and for the future, they are juiced about Jackson Arnold. And then defensively, personnel, substantially better than it was a season ago when you gave up 30 points a game. Brent Vanables, don't get it twisted now. He can coach ball, coach defense, and he's got Oklahoma doing a lot of good things so far through spring ball. So that's Oklahoma. And you know, you know how we get down around here, man. Spring football comes first. College football comes first. I don't care what the sport's going on, whether it's the World Series, whether it's the NBA Finals. We talk college football here. 
Okay, so we appreciate y'all allowing us to talk college football here and having the demand that we can then supply. So let's not slow down the spring football train, all right? Let's keep that thing rolling. The defending national champions, back-to-back national champions, Georgia Bulldogs, have got their spring football on and popping. And everyone wants to know what's going on with the quarterback battle. What's going on with Carson Beck and Brock Vandergriff, Gunnar Stockton? How's that looking? Well, to be honest, one, Kirby keeps it pretty close to the vest, so we're only going to get so much. But the early word out of Athens is it's going about how we thought it would. Carson Beck, Brock Vandergriff, trading with the ones and twos, both getting reps with the ones. Gunnar Stockton factoring in. He's gritty. He's a good athlete. He brings a different level of athleticism to that position is what I understand. Keep an eye on him. He's been around a little bit less than Brock Vandergriff in a Carson Beck half, but he's going to factor in. The belief is still, hey, this is Carson Beck's job to lose. He has stuck it out at Georgia. In the day and age of the transfer portal, with the talent that Carson Beck has, formerly being a four-star kind of guy, he could have gone and started somewhere else a whole lot sooner. He's trusted the process. He's been developed. He's ready now to step into this offense. And they switched OCs like Todd Munkin went to the NFL. You love that for him if you're a Georgia fan. Mike Bobo now going to be calling plays. The feeling is it's going to kind of be the same flavor offensively. So there's not going to be this total reset that maybe there are some other spots like Alabama or, or Miami that are having to learn a whole new system. I don't think it's going to be that at Georgia. I think it's, hey, Coach Munkin's gone. We have a winning formula here. We're going to go back to the well and keep on perfecting that winning formula now with a different individual call in place. So all that's to say, Carson Beck experience, I think it still, it sounds like at least, is one of the differentiating factors for him on top of his phenomenal athletic ability with winging the ball all around the field like you saw during the national championship game in garbage time. Now, I would say this, though, with the quarterback position, and you probably already know this if you watch Georgia, but whoever plays quarterback for them, like, it's a first-world problem. You got two four-stars and a five-star. One of them is going to be really good for you. The entire operation around them, offensively and defensively, going to be really good for you. It's really only going to matter who's playing quarterback for Georgia like two to three games this year. And that's not to say they're just going to, you know, be head and shoulders better than everybody else. But if you look at just the matchups and football is a matchups game, Georgia is going to likely have 10 of 11 matchups any given Saturday, any given time. Now they play Tennessee. That'll be a, a really good game. That'll be a big time matchup. Hopefully yours truly is at that one. We've got South Carolina early in the year. So there's some games that you got to keep an eye on. Obviously, the SEC title, assuming they get there, will be a big one. But what I'm trying to tell you is the quarterback for Georgia, I don't think will really be put to the test too often this season. I think it'll be a little bit more of a let's execute around them, get the ball to playmakers, and let's let this quarterback sort of find their rhythm is my own personal feel on it, okay? So Georgia's still Georgia. The quarterback is going to be someone with a lot of stars who is next to their name. Again, feels like right now in spring football, it's Carson Beck. So we'll keep an eye on that. Really quickly, got to do it. Make sure you're subscribed. Appreciate everyone tuned in live. Appreciate everyone tuned in on the podcast. We love y'all, man. If you're on the podcast, you're about that life. So thank you for that. Also, follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Twitter, at JD Paquel. Now, think about last year's Georgia team how they did things. A lot of 12 personnel, which is just football terminology for you had two tight ends on the field a whole heck of a lot of the time. Because you had Darnell Washington, who was an offensive tackle who could go catch passes for you, gone to the league, and you had Brock Bowers. 
Brock Bowers is coming back. Like I said, Darnell Washington is set to go make millions here pretty soon. You're happy for him. You got two tight ends that are making waves throughout spring football right now. And one that was a little bit more of a pleasant surprise for Georgia fans is freshman Lawson Lucky. They had a scrimmage this past Saturday. Did Georgia? He had multiple touchdowns during that scrimmage. Okay, so one that's impressive for a freshman to show out like that in a scrimmage. The other interesting note is that one of those touchdowns was like a catch-and-run breakaway touchdown. One, tight ends, you don't typically see that if you're not Brock Bowers. Like, usually it's, hey, win on your route, go win one-on-one, get a jump ball in the end zone, or a shorter sort of touchdown. To have a catch-and-breakaway run for a touchdown as a tight end, one, is impressive. Two, to do it against Georgia? Against Georgia's defense? You know how many freak shows they got on the defensive side of the ball? And you had a catch-and-run touchdown? Lawson Lucky is a great athlete, and that's what that tells me. And it just tells me they're going to be able to still be flexible at the tight end position with what he's bringing to the table. So the rich get richer is what I'm, is what I'm saying here. Lawson Lucky is going to be a dude for you. He's only a freshman. But they're really pleased with him. Oscar Delp is someone who I expect to be that other starting tight end next to Brock Bowers. And so far, you already knew he was a good receiver. Like you knew that coming out of high school, he was going to be a matchup problem. Going to be a threat for you in the pass game. But they're encouraged by what he's done over the offseason by adding some mass to that frame. Sounds like he's bulked up a little bit. He's going to be able to help you in the run game. Okay, so there's not so much the concern of, well, we, we had Darnell Washington who was another offensive lineman. Now we got a tight end who's still trying to figure out how to block. No, Oscar Delp, beefing up, progressed a lot in his blocking towards the end of the year and uh, should carry that over this coming fall. So what does this all mean according to the tight end position? It just means that Georgia's not going to change what they do. Like they're they're a team that doesn't have to change what they do because they still have the personnel to do what they did a season ago. Yeah, you lost a really big human being, but you still can play bully ball with your tight ends and you still have matchup problems when it comes to the pass game. Ain't nobody covering Brock Bowers one-on-one. I'm just telling you that right now. Brock Bowers will see very little one-on-one coverage if these teams don't get schemed up by Mike Bobo. So there's still going to be a matchup problem at tight end. They're still going to play bully ball. Georgia's still Georgia. The flavor ain't changing too much, all right, to keep it a buck. Now, on defense, there is a very real cornerback battle going on right now in Athens, Georgia. Okay, so the bad news is Keely Ringo, gone to the league. It's the price of being successful at Georgia. The NFL wants you. Coach or player, the NFL wants you. Kamari Lasseter is pretty comfortably cornerback one. Like I said, bad news, Keely Ringo's gone in the league. The good news is you have, count them, not one, not two, not three, not four, but five corners that were all four stars coming out of high school. Translation, they're going to be okay at corner. Who's in contention, you ask? Adalyn Everett, Julian Humphrey, Nylon Green, A.J. Harris, and Smoke Bowie. So at Georgia, a place that preaches competition, the cream's going to rise at the top. Okay, the, the best player is going to play out of that group. And if for whatever reason they have a slow start, or they're not the guy, or they, they kind of fall apart early in the year, guess what? You got four other four-star cats waiting for a chance to jump in and be that next corner. So they got options. I wouldn't be surprised if they had some depth there throughout the year and played a couple of guys. But Kamari Laster, a solid cornerback one for you. You got five really good four-star options to step up. It's not to say that Keely Ringo won't be missed, but I'm just telling you, like, Georgia is reaping the benefits of how well they have recruited. Okay? You don't have to go out to the portal and get what you already have recruited really well in-house. Now, I know Smoke Bowie was a transfer, but you hear what I'm saying. 
you recruit at an elite level, you get to develop it and put it in place when that time does come. So the corners, a little bit of a battle there. It's a position battle to watch. A little one that's uh, maybe not quite as uh, appealing as a quarterback battle would be to some of the you know, more national conversations, but keep an eye on that for Georgia. Now here's the scary thought. This might be the most settled we've ever felt about Georgia in the last couple of years. Like, think about the quarterback and receivers specifically. Going into 2021, it was, yeah, Stetson Bennett won the national title, but, you know, is he, is he our guy? Is he going to be the guy that can, can, you know, do it again? Like, a lot of people were upset that Stetson Bennett came back for another year, right, into 2022. And then the year before that, it was, well, do we have the receivers that can make plays for us? Do we have, the, you know, the game breakers? Looking at Georgia now, and I'm like, I know you got the guys. In Athens, you know you got the guys. You know you got the quarterbacks. You know you got the receivers. It's just a matter of, okay, who's going to step up and be that guy? Who's going to be the stud? But there's not the concern of, do we have it on the roster? Right? So for Georgia, I'm excited to see what they do. I, I am very, very eager to see who ends up being the starting quarterback. Very eager to see who does end up being that other starting corner. But got all the pieces in the world. Kirby is running an absolute machine down there in Athens, and you can expect more of the same from Georgia in 2023. So that's the spring intel when it comes to the Georgia Bulldogs. Now we're going to pivot gears here a little bit. Let's talk about the Alabama Crimson Tide. Trey Yannity's Alabama Crimson Tide. A little more spring intel on them. The quarterback battle is still ongoing, and they run it pretty similar to how Georgia runs it. Surprise, surprise, Nick Saban and Kirby Smart from the same tree. They're going to keep it pretty close to the vest with the quarterback battle. Like, we're not going to get a ton of intel on that. But here's what I've heard. When it comes to, to these quarterback battles, so much of it is on the field, yes. But even so, a lot of it is also who has the locker room. Like, who's, who's going to be the guy that I'm ready to go to war with on Saturday? That matters. And the encouraging thing for Alabama fans is that, to me, sounds like it's a wash between Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson. Neither one of those guys is, you know, the overwhelming favorite in the locker room and the other guy is just a, an afterthought. No, that both whoever ends up being, whoever ends up starting, you have some guys that are ready to go to war with either guy. Okay, so that, that's a good sign. Now, Jalen Milrow made some waves on social media when he threw an absolute dime piece during spring ball to Ja'Cory Brooks, back corner of the end zone, over the outside shoulder where the DP couldn't get it. Uh, the DB couldn't get it, rather. But, uh, yeah, that was an absolute dime. Alabama football tweeted it out, and Jalen Milrow got in the, the mentions and said, aren't going to tag me? Because everybody was, was going crazy, saying, who threw this pass? Somebody find out who threw this pass, because nobody could see exactly which quarterback it was. Jalen Milrow was like, yeah, that was me. Alabama tagged me. And the people that I talked to were just a little bit surprised that the Alabama football account was the one that tweeted this out. Gold check and all. It wasn't like someone at practice caught this video and leaked it to Twitter. No, it was the Alabama account that said, yeah, look at this. Nice throw and catch. Not going to show you who the quarterback is, but nice throw and catch. So how much does that mean? I don't really know. You know, put as much stock into that as you want to. The Alabama Twitter account tweeting about a great play during spring practice. But bottom line, it's going to be a battle. The feel is that Saban will lean with experience with Jalen Milrow, just given his track record. I happen to believe that Ty Simpson, if he's able to just do more of, of what Jalen Milrow couldn't do a season ago, which is pushing the ball downfield, 
I think he could be your guy. So we'll see. No real clear front runner right now, but either one of those guys has the support of the locker room, which is a crucial ingredient to good leadership and ultimately having your quarterback not being just the quarterback, but being the guy. Now, one of those guys they're going to throw to this coming year, someone Alabama fans cannot wait to see in action, is Juco transfer, number one Juco transfer in the entire country, wide receiver Malik Benson. Make sure you're subscribed to this channel. Make sure you're following me on Twitter and Instagram, at Jody Paquel. Okay, we appreciate y'all for that. As I was saying, Malik Benson is someone Alabama fans are fired up about. He was the number one player in junior college a season ago, coming from Hutchinson Community College, and he is a big play waiting to happen. Like his comp for us here at On3 is Henry Ruggs, who is an absolute, I mean, baller at Alabama. Stretched the field like nobody else. Malik Benson, they said, reminds him a lot of that. At least our scouts do here at On3. Like I said, big play wide receiver, about six foot, so he's got good frame, long arms, legitimate track times. Five-star for us here at On3. Like every good thing you could say about him from a scouting perspective, he checks the box. But there has been multiple assistant coaches who have told our people at On3 that, yeah, this, this guy's going to be a problem. This, this guy is going to be someone that you got to make sure you watch when it comes to the fall because he's making waves during spring ball. And something that's interesting, when names keep coming up during spring football, you pay attention, right? I mean, regardless of program. But when names keep coming up at Alabama, you put the floodlight on. You put the national spotlight on that guy and say, okay, you're making waves at Bama during spring ball? Your name keeps coming up in Tuscaloosa? Yeah, we're, we're going to keep an eye on you. So Malik Benson is one of those guys. The other piece that isn't getting quite as much run when it comes to you know the conversation around Malik Benson, this could be his money year. Like He could go pro after this season if he wants to. And he is in very real contention, according to our people, that he could be wide receiver one at Alabama. So all that conversation around Kobe Prentice and Ja'Cory Brooks and Isaiah Bond, who I think is going to have a breakout year, they think that Malik Benson could end up being that dude at Alabama this coming season. So Malik Benson coming to an end zone near you is what it sounds like. Now, defensively, there's not a ton to talk about. It's spring football. A lot of this is still trying just to get the basics down. You're trying to figure out exactly what the scheme is under you know, your new DC, Kevin Steele. Here's what we have heard. It's going to be kind of like we talked about originally when he took the job. We believe it'll be a lot of just let these dudes play, right? Let, like, let's, let's take all the complexities out of it. We've got some of the best ingredients in the country. We recruit five stars here like nobody else. We're going to let them go be five stars. It's not to say you're not going to coach them up. It's not to say you're not going to coach them hard and have a lot of structure in place, but you're not going to reinvent the wheel. Football is a game that's won by big, fast, physical dudes. Alabama has a lot of those guys on defense. So the scheme should be a lot of see ball, get ball, right? Caleb Downs, the freshman safety, has been as advertised, is what I have heard. They're very excited about him. There's some people on Twitter that are piecing together different clips from hype videos from practice or whatever it ends up being and saying, is Caleb Downs going with the ones? Is Caleb Downs going to be the starting safety? I don't know. I've said it before, though. I believe he will be an impact player this year as a freshman in Tuscaloosa. So the defense, still too early to have any real feel on, on what they're going to be, but all signs during spring football, at least, are that it's going to be more simplistic schematically and they got a young freshman doing work. Now, one of the interesting things that I heard about 
when it comes to spring football at Alabama. And one thing that I'm just curious about in general, and I think tells you a lot about a team, is what's the vibe during spring practice? Like, everyone's excited. Everyone has juice for the first couple of practices. Everyone has juice for the first day of pads. But what's the, what's the culture? What's the feel like at Alabama? What I was told is that the vibe at Alabama is pissed off. So someone told me that. I said, yeah, that makes sense, man. Like, Georgia's kind of overtaking them with that top spot. Tennessee beat them a year ago. Like, yeah, they should be pissed off. Like, I, I get that. They said, no, 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 no. They're pissed off at themselves. So it took me a second. They explained to me, this person I was speaking to, that the feeling of Alabama is like, hey, man, we left a lot on the table last year. We left a lot of meat on the bone. And listen, we got the GOAT as our head coach. We recruit the best players in the country. If I'm a player, I'm one of the top guys at my position in the country. Like, that, that, that ain't us, man. That ain't us. And that's funny to say because Alabama lost two games last year and made quick work of Kansas State in the New Year's Six Bowl. But to have the feeling that, no, 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 we got to be better. We got a higher standard here. I mean, we, we got the script day. That's cool. We got the numbers on our helmets. That's cool. But, like, we, we got a different standard we got to live up to here. And so to hear that the vibe is pissed off at themselves internally, it's dangerous for college football. A focused Bama with a motivated Saban with ammunition to motivate his team, that's a dangerous, dangerous recipe for the rest of college football. So we'll keep an eye on this as this goes on, but I'm telling you, Alabama, everyone's writing them off and saying, yeah, Nick Saban's kind of over the hill. He's lost his touch. College football's passed him by. Many have said that over the years, and many have been wrong, so we're not going to join in on that right now. But that's the latest from Tuscaloosa for spring football. So a lot of y'all got at us on Twitter. I posted the question. I said, man, let's just go back to the basics here. What's on your mind when it comes to college football? What are some of your college football questions? We'll answer these on the show. Maybe we'll do it in its own video. Let's talk about it. And y'all answered as you always do in full force. That tweet's still up on my Twitter page, by the way. We're still using that, so make sure you get at me there. But uh, now to break it all down. Keeper of the queue. Heavy lifter extraordinaire, Nick Brake. Nick, how we doing, big dog? What's up, JD? We'll get right into this. Um, first question is from at Mr. Risto. Uh, do you think the Pac-12 and ACC should form a super conference? J.D., I don't think that would work unless these guys have frequent flyer miles. Yeah, so the, the travel would be rigorous. Travel would be rigorous, but if they can make the dollars and cents work, there, there's more to that. Now, here's my question. Do you make a super conference with Miami, Florida State, and Clemson, or are those teams already gone? Because if those teams leave, this becomes a lot more tricky to me. Like, who's paying the bills is my question. And maybe you're saying, no, 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 that's why we need a super conference. Because if those teams leave for the SEC or the Big Ten, whatever it is, one of those other mega conferences that's being formed, then what do we have? Then we got to come together and make something happen. So I think my, my, my knee-jerk reaction is as long as Florida State, Clemson, Miami are in the ACC, they're in good shape. The Pac-12, though, they got to figure it out, man. The bill payers are leaving the building here very, very soon. There's a lot of buzz around Oregon, what they might do. So, I mean... To answer that question directly, not right now, but it's never bad to have a backup plan would be my thought on that, Nick. Great question, though. Great question. Never, never hurts to be prepared. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know? Um, next question is from at HueyBen05. Does Arch redshirt this year, or does he just ride the bench behind Quinn? Also, best Texas running back on the roster, J.D. Okay, good question. Um, we'll, we'll start with that first part. 
Does Arch Manning redshirt this year? Listen, if he doesn't redshirt this year, something has gone very, very wrong at Texas. You just went through all the growing pains of Quinn Ewers. You went through him getting his feet wet and figuring out what it means to be a college quarterback and, and be QB1 in a system. Like, you've gone through all the growing pains. You saw really good Quinn at times against Alabama. You saw really bad Quinn at times against Oklahoma State. So he was inconsistent. And my feeling is if you throw Arch in there year one, voluntarily, you're just going to have to go through those growing pains again. You just went through the growing pains last year. This should be the year where you get to reap the reward of a one Quinn Ewers, being a little bit more polished, being able to see things a little bit more slowly. So Arch Manning, I think absolutely should and will redshirt. And if he's not redshirting this season, we got problems. Somebody got hurt. We have nothing to play for. There's very real issues if Queen Ewers is not your starting quarterback this year at Texas and Arch Manning doesn't get to redshirt. But best running back on the roster, man, they love Savion Red. They're a bit banged up right now, I think, during practice, but Cedric Baxter's a guy we've heard a lot about. I'll say this. I think it's going to be by committee this year, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. I think Keelan Robinson's a guy, so I don't know if I have one that I'm just super, super excited about in terms of like, yeah, that's going to be your B. John Robinson, uh, but Cedric Baxter, I think, probably has the highest ceiling of the group with all that he did um, at the high school level and the way that we graded him here at on three. So Cedric Baxter, highest ceiling. How about that, Nick? Works for me. Yeah, that works for you. I yeah. like it. Looking good, by the way, man. A little on three hoodie. Yep, absolutely. Looking fresh today. Appreciate it. Uh, last question on our tweets. Uh, at GoIrish1209, how far do you think Notre Dame is going to go this year, JD? Ooh. <sighs> how far is Notre Dame going to go? To put it simply, Nick, Notre Dame's going to go as far as they want to go, as far as their personnel allows them to go, because I don't see any major deficiencies from a roster standpoint. Just the big question marks are, okay, who's rushing the passer? I think it's Jordan Patello. Okay, so he's going to step up. Then who's catching passes? Who's that dynamic alpha wide receiver? And they've recruited well. they got a lot of guys in there. Jaden Greathouse is a freshman, already making plays according to the snippets we're seeing at practice. Deion Colsey, a guy you're excited about. Tobias Merriweather. There's a lot of guys in-house at Notre Dame. I'm probably missing some names. They will go as far as that wide receiver group allows them to go. Because I think the defense will be solid yet again. Only gave up like 23 points a game last year. I know they lose Isaiah Foskey, but they bring back 72% of the production from 2022. You get the quarterback in Sam Hartman. We said it earlier in the show, man. I think Notre Dame and Sam Hartman and Marcus Freeman mean business. They won nine games a year ago with a high floor kind of roster. This season for them is about doing more than just that. Like Sam Hartman didn't come to Notre Dame to get a nice little degree, wear a cool uniform, and win nine games. I think he came for much more than that. A lot of it hinges on what they get at wide receivers. So how far can they go? They made the college football playoff. It's just do they have the receivers to get it done. Okay. J.D., by the way, we had a person in the chat ask a question, and then um, someone in the chat also said, this isn't live, so they're not going to answer it. We are live. <laughs> How about it, man? Um, the question is, JD, predict the Red River game, Texas or OU, really quick. Oh, man. They're trying to get us in trouble here. They well, are. one, we're live. We're, we're live as it gets. See, I'm just going to, for those who listen on podcasts, just dropped the uh, the notepad to make a point that we were, in fact, live. Uh, ironic, though, if you listen on podcast, we are not live for you, but we appreciate you locking in on Apple and on Spotify. Uh, man, predict the Red River game. <sighs> That's that's we're not going to do that right now. We will do that obviously as the game gets closer and when we get to that week. Um, I'll say this: I believe that game 
will arrive, and it will mean a lot for both teams. And I don't just mean from a, from a rivalry standpoint and a pageantry standpoint. I mean both teams will be in the thick of the Big 12 race. Even though it's early in the year, I think they will have been able to hold water to that game. And I think it'll be competitive. I don't think it'll be 49-0. I don't think it'll be one-sided. I think you're going to see a much-improved Oklahoma and a refocused Texas. So it'll be competitive, and it'll be high stakes from a standing standpoint as well, which is how that game should be, quite honestly, and not what we saw last year where Oklahoma is losing 49-0 and Texas is doing whatever they want. It'll be more competitive. But a great question. Yeah. A great question. Jenny, we had a lot of people live. who were, like, surprised that we're live. What? We're not lying to you all. We are live. Um, by the way, shout out the SEC asked you that question. Shout out the um, SEC, so man. Shout out the SEC. But, yeah. Jenny, that's all we have for you here. Appreciate it, brother. Yeah, the SEC is keeping tabs on Texas and Oklahoma this year for sure. Absolutely. So that's uh, it's fascinating. The SEC is asking about the Red River rivalry. Nick, see you on Thursday? Uh, yeah, I'll be here, man. Thursday it is. And barring something wildly unforeseen, we should have the head coach of the Auburn Tigers, Hugh Freeze, making some time for us as they get ready for their spring football game coming up this Saturday. So make sure you're tuned in and don't miss that one. If you're listening on pod and if you're watching live, again, we are as live as it gets, live in living color. Uh, you're the only ones that know that right now. Okay, we're not going to public that or, or push that publicly or, or promo that until a little bit closer to the interview. So you're the only ones that know that. That's the benefit of being tuned in with us. All right, like I said, today was an awesome, awesome full circle deal for the hard count as Brent Venables was someone we started out making videos about and we're fortunate enough to get him on the show. Really quickly before we get off though, I had one of you hit me on Instagram and said, JD, listen from Okinawa. I said, shout out Okinawa, we appreciate you. I know we had people in Okinawa listening. He said, I think I may have missed the boat on the whole program versus program conversation. Like, can, can you walk that through for me? I said, that's absolutely fair. Uh, I don't know that we ever actually have explicitly talked about that. So as concisely as possible, here's what that is. One, the, the whole program thing versus program is kind of two-sided. One is just like what, what ball coaches say, like Dabo Sweeney says program, Kirby Smart says program, Nick Saban says program, and they win a whole lot of football games. So there's that one side of it that's just like very football guy about it. But to take it to a little bit more of a serious standpoint, those guys all win games and they all keep the same sort of philosophy when it comes to how they run their ball clubs. And they say program, they have a culture. They worry about the internal. They don't worry about the external. And so as much as possible, like it's fun to say and there is a comedic element to it, there's a serious element that we try and operate this thing as much as possible geared towards y'all and on our philosophies in-house, whether we got 10 people watching or whether we got 1,000 people watching, okay? And it's going to stay that way. We're trying to keep the integrity of this thing as, as much intact as possible because y'all have responded phenomenal to it, and we want to make sure that it stays the way that it is. So we will keep running our program. We encourage you to run your program, whatever it ends up being, whether that's life, whether that's family, whether that's business, school, run your program, okay? And don't falter towards any other external circumstances or external motivations, all right? So a little bit of a soapbox there to, to play us out of here. But as always, man, make sure you're locked in. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you are staying in the know with everything that we're talking about here. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Twitter at Jody Pacquel. But listen, man, we appreciate y'all. We love y'all. We're going to keep the party rolling, and we will see y'all next time. Madness is here. Say goodbye to 
busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.